بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول And then I mentioned the various deeds thus far which the Prophet encouraged during those last 10 blessed nights. So to reiterate, he encouraged to offer the Salat. He encouraged you to make the Dua, Allahumma innaka afuwan tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni. And he also encouraged وسلم, that you have a bath, a ghusl between the Maghrib and Isha. And to put on a good set of clothing, as Anna said on the 27th. So now, with regards to the night of Qadr, to mention some of the signs. So, the purpose of Itiqaf is to find the glorious night of Qadr. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned signs, i.e. that the night, when it passes, the following day, or during the night itself. So there's eight signs you can mention. The first in Sayyid Muslim, our beloved messenger, he said, The sun will rise without rays. The, the sun would rise without rays. The second, in Tabrani, Behaki, Bazar, Ibn Khuzayma and Shaykh Al-Bani says Hassan in Sayyih Al-Jami number 5475 the Prophet said the sun will be weak and it will be reddish so this is the following day after the night of Qadr so the sun will rise without rays meaning you'll be able to see the sun without hair in your eyes and then the Prophet said the sun will be weak it will be reddish so it be easy to, to see the, the sun. With regards to the night itself, in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet said, the night would be clear, it would be a calm night. The glorious night of Qadr would be clear, it would be a calm night, meaning it's a peaceful night. Also in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet said, the moon will be shining clearly. So obviously, it's the last 10 nights, but the moon will be visible and you'll be easily spotted. Also, in Tabarani, Behaki, Bazar, Ibn Khuzayma, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Hassan in Sayyih al-Jami number 5475, the Prophet said, The night will neither be warm, nor it will be cold. It will be a calm night, it won't be warm, nor will it be cold. Also, the Prophet said in Ibn Khuzayma, the stars will be visible, meaning you'll be able to see the stars unusually. Also, he said in Tabarani in his Kabir, there will be no shooting stars. There will be no shooting stars. Why? Because there's no shayati to shoot the stars at, i.e. The, the meteorites. And also in Tabarani in his Kabir, the Prophet mentioned there will be little i.e. if any cloud, wind or rain. 
there would be little, i.e. if any, cloud, wind or rain. So all of these things are mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ, meaning it could rain, but it won't be a drizzle. It won't be too much. There could be a slight wind, a slight breeze, if any. And the same goes with the clouds. So note the Prophet gave signs that this is the night of Qadr. And he described the sun the following day. So all of this is from the Prophet ﷺ. Then you've got other signs which are mentioned. And this is with regards to individuals. Right? So for example, the saintly souls, they start seeing the trees bowing. They start hearing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, where this report mentions that some of the bodies of water become sweet. <laughs> some bodies of water become sweet, mentioned in Behaki and Ishu'ab al-Iman. So, how do we look at those signs? The way to respond is, the Prophet ﷺ gave you general signs that everybody could observe. Everything he mentioned, everybody can see this, whether you're a saint or whether you're a sinner. Those particular signs, a possible explanation could be, is to do with the piety of individuals. So obviously you would expect they will be given special gifts by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we don't deny that. However, what's mentioned in the hadith is clear. So now, why is the night so serene, so calm, neither warm, neither cold, there's no shooting stars? And the response is because of the presence of angels. So what happens on that glorious night? Our beloved messenger, he mentions in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, and it's Hassan in as sahihah number 2205. The angels who are on the earth that night, are more numerous than the number of pebbles. The angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, who are on the earth that night, are more numerous than the number of pebbles. Think about that. If I was to ask you how many pebbles are there on the earth, you think you trillions. There's more angels on the earth on that night, the Prophet said. So when the angels are present, two things we can certainly observe. One is the shayateen are nowhere to be seen. Because <laughs> the angels of mercy descend where there is no shayateen. So the shayateen have been locked. Secondly, you'd expect serenity with the angels. You'd expect a peaceful night. So this is what the Prophet himself clearly indicated. There's more angels on the earth on that night than pebbles. Also, other details are mentioned. In Behaki in his Shu'ab al-Iman, number 3717, Ruh al-Ma'ani and Wad al-Bayan, and others. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, on this night, Jibreel descends with a host of angels, with a multitude of angels to the earth. And he seeks forgiveness for the person remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sitting or standing. So here the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, who else descends? The archangel, the greatest angel of all, Jibreel descends. Alayhi salatu wasalam with a multitude of angels and what do they do? The hadith says they seek forgiveness or Jibreel seeks forgiveness والسلام, for the one who is doing the remembrance of Allah sitting and standing. So another worship is mentioned now, sitting. I mentioned that if you look at the reports the Prophet is clearly telling you what to do on this night. So how does a person worship sitting? So obviously he could be in salat but he could be in dua. 
he could be reciting the Quran. So note, even when you sit and you do dhikr on that glorious night, who is praying for your forgiveness? Jibreel. Think about that. Jibreel In another report it mentions that Jibreel he shakes hands with the worshippers. And one of the signs that he shook hands with you is that your body has a sudden tremor. Like, you know, when you get that kind of a quiver. And that's a sign that Jibreel shook hands with you. And this also indicates that Jibreel people, they think that after the last Prophet he's now redundant. Because he came to all the Prophets. The answer is that's part of his roles. But this night is so august that Allah sends him onto the earth again. So now with all these narrations you can turn to the surah. If you didn't know anything about Idiqaf except this one fight it would be enough to show the honor of that deed. Allah the Almighty and Glorious has not only revealed verses about Laylatul Qadr He's revealed an entire surah. Think about that. He's dedicated one entire chapter of the Quran to this night. And it's not like other surahs. So what do I mean by this? If you look at other surahs, for example, surah Maryam, is the entire surah talking about Maryam? No. Though it's named after her. Surah Ibrahim, is the whole surah about Ibrahim? No. Though he's mentioned within it. Surah Qadr, the entirety is talking about Laylatul Qadr. That's another honor given to this night. The entire surah. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? And it's a surah that most of us know. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr wa ma adraka ma Laylatul Qadr Laylatul Qadr khayrum min alfi shahr Tanazzalu al-malaikatu wal-ruhu fiha bi-idhni rabbihim min kulli amr Salamun hiya hatta matla il-fajr The translation Verily we revealed this on the night of Qadr i.e. the Quran Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says do you know what the night of Qadr is? Then he answers, the night of Qadr is better than a thousand months. So look how amazing. The first three verses of Surah Al-Qadr, Allah Ta'ala says, we reveal this on the night of Qadr, the Quran. Allah Ta'ala revealed it to his beloved. When he got the Quran, it was on the night of Qadr, the greatest night of all. Then Allah Ta'ala asks you that question. وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ Do you know what Laylatul Qadr is? He's asking you that question. And most of us don't. Then he sets the stage by saying, خَيْرٌ مِّنْ أَلْفِ شَهْرٌ It is better than a thousand months. Meaning, it's certainly more than 83 years and a, form and a few months. It's greater than that. Then he goes on to say, On that night, the angels and the spirit comes down with his decrees. The angels come down and the spirit with his decrees. So what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious call Jibreel in this surah? Ruh. He gives him a title. He goes, the angels and the spirit come down on this night. 
with his decrees. The Quran goes, because they've been ordered to. The hadith gives you the details. Why? They're looking for people who are worshipping. Right? They're looking for people who are worshipping. And if you are worshipping, standing or sitting, the Prophet says, they seek forgiveness for you. And their du'as will be answered. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Salamun hiya hatta matla'il fajr. Peace till the break of dawn. Goes back to the hadith, serenity. You find you feel an extraordinary peace on that night. It's like, no matter what woodies you've got, it's like temporarily they've been taken off you. Allah Ta'ala gives you peace on that night. The other interesting thing about this surah is that Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He mentions the Laylatul Qadr three times. If you read the surah, He mentions it three times. Laylatul Qadr has got nine letters. What's nine times three? Twenty-seven. What does twenty-seven seem to indicate? It's that night, right? Twenty-seventh. So some of the ulama mentioned, is that a coincidence? Allah may be hinting towards the fact that 27 is favorable above other nights. So that surah is revealed about what deed? Boli bali musulman. Itikaf. Think about that. Even though it's called Laylatul Qadr, what is that actual surah which deed is it praising? Itikaf. Because the Prophet was searching for it. And he was performing itikaf. So this surah is showing the honor Allah Ta'ala has given to this glorious night. And this is the purpose of Laylatul Qadr. So now after mentioning some of the signs of that beautiful night. And what does it mean that Jibreel descends alayhi salatu wasalam. We can now turn to the virtues of itikaf. What are the rewards and the virtues of itikaf. So first, there's a hadith. The hadith is in Tabarani, Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 2966. It has weakness. Our beloved messenger is reported to have said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one doing itikaf, i.e. 10 days in Ramadan, is then just like the one who has performed Hajj and Umrah twice. Tabarani. The one doing itikaf, i.e. the 10 days in Ramadan, is then just like the one who has performed Hajj and Umrah twice. So now let's look at this. So obviously, the hadith has weakness. But the hadith masters have recorded it because it's fazail. Is it not enough to get the reward of one Hajj? One Hajj is enough. You guaranteed paradise, complete why part of your sins. You've been given two hajjas. And to top it up, you've been given two umri. And what did the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, about two umri? Whatever sins is committed between two umri is forgiven. That is also given to you by Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So this is one virtue which is now talking specifically about the virtues of itikaf. What about the days? So you've got nine days itikaf or ten days. Each day, the Prophet mentioned the virtue, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In Tabarani, in his Ausat, number 7326, Behaki, in his Shu'ab al-Iman, number 3965, Al-Haytami, in Majma al-Zawaid, 8-192, is Hassan. The Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, One day of itiqaf, for the sake of Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, 
then he subhanahu wa ta'ala creates a distance of three trenches between his servant and help and between every trench the distance is more than what is between the east and the west subhanallah so let's look at this so this is an authentic report this is in Tabarani Behaki Hafiz Haytami states Hassan so now one day of itikaf what did the Prophet say you are given the distance you are placed a distance of three ditches away from the hellfire between each of the three ditches the distance is more than between east and west so a person goes that doesn't make sense why doesn't it make sense he goes east and west how can it be more than east and west there's no such thing as you've either got east you've got the west so what the prophet was highlighting here is don't start working it out in kilometers you were given the distance you are distance from the hellfire by three trenches and between every trench not the trench between the trench you are distance more than between the east and the west so what does that mean it means for one day of itikaf you won't even smell hell right for one day of itikaf you will not even smell the hellfire you won't even see it you're going to be placed so far away from it that's one day somebody goes to you times it by two two days times it by three i don't need to times it by two because one day is enough but the fact that you're doing nine to ten days how on earth is it possible for you to go near the fire so therefore now another report mentioning you get so much in terms of being distanced from the fire what else do we do in Ibn Majah number 1781 our beloved messenger he said whoever does itikaf he remains safe from sins and the reward that is gained for righteous deeds by their doers is written for him. That's the hadith. Should I say it again? Whoever does itikaf remains safe from sins. And the reward that is gained for righteous deeds by their doers is then written for him. So what does it mean? What it means is, now this is what people think. And they're doing, and it's a logical deduction but it's incorrect there goes they, and you hear people say this because we're better off not doing it why brother because I'm doing charity work so logically you're right brother but scripturally absolutely incorrect because what do you mean he goes if I do it I can't do the fundraising and of course to save lives is far greater than doing personal worship you're using logic again <laughs> why is it still greater for you to do it off? because the prophet was telling you in this hadith the reward that is gained for righteous deeds by their doers is still written for him what you would normally do Allah Ta'ala is going to give you that anyway when you're doing it off. meaning you get the reward for what you normally do so for instance, if you're an awliya, like Abu Bakr Siddiq, the highest, he was doing everything. All the gates of paradise are going to call him. He was a perfect man. 
So if he did itikaf, he's losing out. <laughs> can't do sadaqah. Can't, you know, go to a janazah. Can't, etc., etc. No, he's not. Because everything you normally do, Allah Ta'ala gives you whilst you're doing itikaf. Now why is that important to highlight? Because some people take people away from itikaf. For that very reason. I've heard many people say this. Oh, I'd love to do itikaf, but, you know, I'm, I'm fundraising. The whole point of you fundraising, brother, is to get the rewards that you are wanting from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that correct? Yes. You've got automatic check when you do itikaf. And you're getting itikaf on top of it. Therefore, you don't lose out. Have you understood this? There's one exception. Circles of knowledge. Why? Because yes, the da'i will get the reward of the circles of knowledge. But the knowledge hasn't been shared. You understand? Right? The knowledge hasn't been shared. So there is one or two exceptions to the rule. But apart from that, don't let that put you off. You understand? Don't let it put you off. I want to do all these things. You'll get it anyway, brother. Allah Ta'ala wants to give you automatically when you're doing a tikaf. But there's another way to look at this hadith. That's the majority view. What you normally do, you'll get. Another view of the scholars is, it actually means you get the reward of everything that is taking place outside. Not just your deeds. So some say in the community, all the good deeds that people are doing, in the, you're getting the reward. Allah has given it to you. That's another meaning. Whatever way you look at it, are you losing out doing it? The of course not. There's another virtue given graciously by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's it very similar to? It's very similar to the one who's ill or who's traveling. The Prophet said that Allah Ta'ala, if you're traveling, He gives you the reward of all the good deeds that you would normally do. But you can't do because you're traveling. That's His sadaqah. And when you're ill, you can't do your normal deeds. Allah Ta'ala still tells the angels, write it for him. This is the sadaqah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. He's doing the same for the person doing itikaf. What other reward do you get? In Behagi in Shu'abul Iman, number 3968, Hassan al Basri said, The Mu'takif is granted the reward of performing Hajj every day. The Mu'takif is granted the reward of performing Hajj every day. So now, why is that interesting? The first hadith I quoted about the virtue of Itikaf says, You get the reward of two Hajjs and two Umrim. But what did I say? The hadith is weak. When a hadith is weak, it means there's something wrong with the chain of transmission or the text. Hassan al-Basri, he's saying, you get more than what's being mentioned in that hadith. Why? Because you get the reward of hajj for every day. That's 10 hajjs. If it's 10 days. Or 9 hajjs for the 9 days. So imagine, you're getting the reward of 9-10 hajjs for, for the itikaf that you're performing. What else? In Behaki in a Shu'abbal Iman, number 3970, Ata al Khurasani, he said, A mu'takif is just like the person who comes to the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he pleads, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, O oh my glorious Lord, I will not leave until you forgive me. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So another senior tabi'een, student of us, com- the companions, Ata al-Khurasani, he goes, this is the mu'takif, the one doing a dekaf. He goes, he enters the divine courtroom. 
So obviously we don't think human terms, but he's trying to get the point across. You've entered the courtroom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're basically pleading at the feet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're saying, oh my Lord, oh my glorious Lord, I am not going to leave until you forgive me. Look at the image you get. That's how a person does a dikaf. He's basically crying. Because, Ya Allah, look, you have to forgive me. I'm here for nine, ten days. And do you think Allah Ta'ala is not going to forgive you? When you're crying at his feet, metaphorically, for nine, ten days. These are all hadiths given by the pious predecessors. Think about that. What's that very similar to? Multazim. When you're doing the tawaf between the black stone and the door, there's a special type of worship that people do. They cling onto the Kaaba with their bodies and their arms outstretched. It's called iltizam, multazim. When somebody asked Ali in Behaki, why do people do that? What is the wisdom of that? He said, this is like clinging on to a person and begging his forgiveness and not leaving until you are forgiven. Allah Ta'ala has given that to the Mu'takif. Imagine, you have to do the only place I can't do against this wall, right? You can only do Multism against the Kaaba. But for the Mu'takif, according to Ata al-Khurasani, they've all been given it inside the Masjid. You're all clinging. How long can you cling for around the Kaaba? Couple of minutes? Maybe half an hour max? You're here for 9-10 days pleading to Allah Ta'ala to forgive you. There's another great virtue given by graciously by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Where are you? You're in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now when you're in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious give to those who come to His house? In Tabarani in his Kabir, Behaki is Hassan in Sahih Uttarheeb number 320. Our beloved messenger, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa whoever makes wudu in his dwelling and perfects the wudu, then comes to the masjid, then he is indeed the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is the right that the one who is visited should treat the guest honorably. So let's look at this. So this is a Hassan hadith, Tabarani and Behaki. Very strong hadith. So simply put, what did the Prophet say? Now this is another deed that people of Itikaf should do. They shouldn't come to the itikaf without wudu. Because the condition is you do wudu. So obviously from your dwelling or if you're in the sacred sanctuary from the hotel, whatever, right, you do the wudu. And you do it perfectly, meaning don't rush through it. Do a perfect wudu. Then you go to the masjid. Then what did the Prophet say? You're the guest of Allah. And then what did the Prophet say? Is it not the right of the guest? That the host treats him honorably. So one of the brothers made a very poignant point. That when you are invited to somebody's dwelling. The host usually knows what the guest likes. And he puts out the food and the things, the beverage or whatever he likes in front of him. To honor the guest. Then what about the one who knows the secrets of the heavens and the earth? Now think about that. When you actually go to the masjid, we're not going for food and drink. We've got needs. Right? Maybe this dunya, in the grave, day of judgment, you've got a myriad of needs. 
what is the horse going to do? <laughs> You're his guest. <laughs> do you think he's going to turn you away? He's going to fulfill all your needs. Even if those that you're not even aware of. Because he's the greatest of hosts. So this is another thing that automatically the mutakif gets. Because he's with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 9 and 10 days. Right? Think about that. You're his guest for 9. Imagine if, if you spend 9, 10 days. You can't even use examples because Allah ta'ala is above all the examples. But imagine you spend 9, 10 days with Rasulullah, the greatest of creation. What will you leave with after 9 and 10 days? Apart from being a companion. Which all the Oliyas combined cannot reach now. Imagine you'll come back, you know, a treasure trove of knowledge. You'll, be, you'll become absolutely purified. You'll come back with nude blasting of your face. And because you spent time with Rasulullah. And what about spending time with the Lord of Rasulullah? Think about that. Right? Nine and ten days you're spending with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Qurtubi in his tafsir, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib said, Rahmatullah Sitting in the masjid is just like sitting with Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Sitting in the masjid is just like sitting with Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can there be anybody greater for you to sit with? Who's your sitting companion? Right? Ajlis. When you sit, brother, sit. One of the companions had his legs stretched. And when he saw a pious tabi'in, he put his legs back. He goes, you know why, do you know why I did this? Because why? Because I wanted a pious person to sit with me. Right? This is in Bukhari's Allah, Dabal Mufrad, Sayyid Hadith. When you're in the masjid, you're sitting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about that. So what's he going to do? He's going to look after you. <laughs> Think about that. One, one brother made a, he mentioned yesterday, and I don't know the names, and he says there was a man, and he's doing a tikaf, and then, he used to regularly do itikaf. And then somebody joined him once, a youngster. And the youngster, when he was with him, his grandfather brought the food. For the person doing itikaf, obviously people have to bring food and drink. So when the grandfather brought the food and drink, the person who always did the itikaf, he got angry. He goes, why did you bring food and drink? He goes, how disrespectful this is that you brought food and drink. Mm-hmm. So, the grandfather had brought food for his grandson. But this other man is basically going off the... And then they asked him, why are you getting so angry, Sheikh? He goes, you're the guest of Allah. Mm-hmm. He goes, do you bring food into somebody's house when you're his guest? Mm-hmm. Level. And what was happening was the brother was mentioning, Allah was providing him food and drink. He wasn't even all, you know, arranging for the food and drink. Because I'm the guest of Allah. He goes, it's disrespectful for me to even make arrangements. So notice there's different levels of people doing it. This doesn't mean that you don't make arrangements. But if you look at the logic behind that, isn't it impeccable? Right? Allah, you're his guest. And you're making your own food arrangements. Somebody goes, well, isn't that disrespecting the host? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine you go, somebody's invited you. He goes, don't worry about that, yeah, come in, everything's on. And you, and you, as you've entered the person's dwelling, take away comes. Pizza delivery, right? And then he goes, who's ordered that? Oh, I thought I'd order it because you're not offended, right? Of course he's offended. Right? So note, you're the guest of Allah. And we're not going for food and drink. But this is the wavelength that these, you know, the righteous people are on. Another virtue of Idikaf 
in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Tabarani in his Ausad is Hassan in Sahih ut Targim number 450. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one who waits for Salat after the Salat is then just like a warrior on horseback who strives ferociously in fighting in the cause of Allah upon his horse against an enemy who bears a special grudge against him. Indeed, that is the greater ibad. That is the greater ibad. That is the greater perseverance in obedience. That is the greater perseverance in obedience. So let's look at this. So is it authentic? Yes. Imam Ahmad Musnad Tabrani Hassan in Sahih ut Targhib number 450. So what's the condition? You're in the masjid. You've offered a fadad salat. You're waiting for the next salat. What's the person doing at the calf doing? <laughs> He's doing this 45 to 50 times. <laughs> Think about that. 45 to 50 times. He's prayed one prayer. He goes, right, Zor, I'm waiting for it. Asr, waiting for it. I'm not going anywhere. Right? Maghrib, Isha. 45 to 50 times. So what's his likeness? The Prophet said, his likeness is he's on horseback. Imagine, in the good old days. And he's flying into the enemy's jihad. And the hadith says, he's fighting ferociously, not against a normal person, against an enemy who's out for his blood. He's, he's got a grudge against you. And you're doing that, imagine, 45 to 50 times. Allah Ta'ala is recording that for the person doing itikaf. He offers one prayer waiting for the next. So basically the way to look at it is this. The person doing itikaf, he's doing jihad non-stop. Flinging himself into the enemies without retreating for 9 to 10 days. How the hell are you going to catch him up brother? You can't do it for 9 to 10 days. Even if it's the battlefield. How far can you go before you think, I'm either going to get martyred or I've got to stop because I can't go straight through the enemies. Itikaf bypasses that. You've even superseded the mujahid. Think about that. Nine and ten days, you're galloping into the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at all these things. If you really reflect upon it, you think, this is unbelievable. And then what did the Prophet sallallahu say? This is the greater ribat. He used the Quranic term. The greater ribat was ribat. When are Arabs. Ribat is when you are guarding the borders of the Islamic State. So imagine, this is the Islamic lands. And you got guards who are guarding the state. It's a very dangerous job to guard the borders. That's called ribat. What's the reward for ribat? A person doesn't understand this. The Prophet said, If a person does ribat and he dies, he will get the reward of ribat al kiamat And... He will not have any problems in the grave. Allah has promised to preserve him. This is a person who is guarding called Ribat. Question. Is that the greater Ribat? Is what you mean brother? I was asking. Is there different types of Ribat? I don't know brother. The greatest Ribat is this one. The Prophet said it. The one who prays one further prayer stays in the masjid waits till the next. This is the greater ibad, meaning even he can't catch him up. What else does the person get? <laughs> it blew me away. What else does the person doing ribad get? The Prophet said, think about this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing the hadith. The hadith is in Targheeb and it's authentic. 
A person prays by himself, he gets one reward. A person prays in the masjid, he gets 25, 27 rewards. Then the rewards increase. A prayer in masjid in Nabi multiplies a thousand times. A prayer in the Kaaba multiplies a hundred thousand times or more. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued. A person who's guarding the borders of the uh, a person in, on the battlefield, his salat multiplies a million times. <laughs> a person guarding the borders of the Islamic State, Rebat, multiplies two million times. <laughs> and what's more than all that, the Prophet ﷺ said, two rakats in the middle of the night. Tajid. Somebody goes, what? <laughs> There you go, brother. Do you know that? Tajid. People are stupid getting out of their bed just because they just want to get out of bed. There's a reason they're getting out of bed. Right? And what is the motive getting? Somebody goes, hang on a minute. If a person doing ribat is getting two million for each prayer, what on earth is the guy doing? Well, there you go, brother. Catch him up. How are you going to catch him up? Doing humanitarian work. Right? Think about that. Right? So this is another virtue. For the person doing it, the kaf. Let's mention one more. In Abu Ya'la Bazar, Hakim, it is Mustadrak Sahih to the criteria of Muslim. And it's Sahih in Sahih Ut Tarheeb, number 449. Our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, waiting for the Salat after the Salat greatly washes away sins. Waiting for the Salat after the Salat greatly washes away sins. So, what does that mean? It's the same deed. I'm doing it off. I'm waiting for Zorna. I'm waiting for Asr. The way to describe it is you only get a jet wash. <laughs> and that power jet. <laughs> and you use it on cars. You don't use it on a human being. You know, you'll, you'll probably take him to Barzakh, right? But what are you using that jet wash for? Because it gets rid of everything, brother. You can do it yourself with a sponge, but it's going to take a long time. You get that jet wash, on, it's going to come out spanky. <laughs> Mashallah. I want spiritual jet wash. <laughs> brother, I don't know what you're talking about. What's the spiritual jet wash you want about? I want to get my sins blasted like that jet wash. How do I do it? I haven't got a clue, brother. The Prophet said, You offer one obligatory prayer, you wait for the next. The person doing it, the cast doing that for 45, 50 prayers. He's been jet blasted for. How many? Imagine. He's going to come out like pure gold, thinking, What's happened here? Right? And that is another reward for the person doing it. Now, why am I mentioning these reports? Because what's interesting is Imam Ahmad's statement. Imam Ahmad said there is no authentic hadith about the virtues of itikaf. And people misunderstand that, uh, that statement. What he meant was direct. Like the first hadith, two hajjahs, two umri for itikaf, that's direct. Anything direct, there's weakness. But if you look at the virtues of the person who's doing a takeoff, what he's supposed to be doing, or he's forced to do, then computer blows up, man. The virtues are too much. You cannot catch this person up. He's too far ahead of you. Let me mention one more. Also, in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, is Hassan Tabarani in his Ausat Tarheeb, the Prophet said, and the one waiting for Salat is like he who is well protected in a bunker from his nafs and shaitan. And the one waiting for salat is like he who is well protected in a bunker from his nafs and shaitan. So now what does that mean? Good old days, World War I, World War II, they had bunkers. 
You ask them, why have you dug bunkers? It protects you from stray bullets and you've got less likelihood of being killed. Even the bombs have to be direct on you to kill you. If they hit side of you, you'll survive. The bunkers to protect you is a great protection. I get it. I want the spiritual bunkers. You say, well, you have to again, brother. What's the spiritual bunkers? The Prophet said, if you offer one obligatory prayer and you wait for the next, you are well protected in a bunker from who? From your nafs. The only thing that's now after you in Ramadan is this thing between your shanks. You've, you've crippled it. <laughs> Shaitan's getting drowning. Keep drowning, man, right? You drown for another 29, 30 days, right? So he's out of the equation. Company's not going to come in. All your bad companies, what are they going to do in the masjid, right? And the only enemy, even he, Salatullah, broke his legs. Shaitan, the hadith says, because out of, out of Ramadan you could be doing this. But Shaitan is also crippled. So what's Allah Ta'ala doing? He's actually taken out your last enemy. If you do Etikaf, he goes, there's nobody left now. To, you're my special guest. Nothing can affect you now. You're under my care, my attention. So this is another virtue. And let me mention this definitely to finish. This is the greatest virtue. In Ibn Majah, and it's authentic in Sahih Uttarheeb, number 425, our beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi he prayed the Maghrib. He offered the Maghrib prayer, Sallallahu Alaihi after he finished his zikr, he went back to his dwelling. And after a few short moments, he comes running back into the masjid. And his iza is trailing, meaning something's happened. So the sahaba in the masjid, they panic. The Prophet said, why are you still staying here? So the sahaba thought, astaghfirullah, we've done something because Ya Rasulullah, we, because we've just offered the maghrib and we're staying till Isha. The Prophet said, I haven't come back because there's nothing to worry about. He says, I've come back because I've come to give you glad tidings. He goes, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He is boasting about you to the angels. And He's saying, look at my servants. They have carried out a farad and they are waiting for the next. Allahu Akbar. He goes, look at my servants. They have carried out a farad and they're waiting for the next. Allah Ta'ala is boasting about you. Somebody goes, how can you go to hell, brother? Allah Ta'ala is boasting about you. Do you go, look at this man, take him to hell. You boasted. It don't make sense. Now why is he boasting? Because Allah Ta'ala is saying, Ajib, this is amazing, how intelligent you are. And who is he boasting to? Now this is interesting. The angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, when, when Adam was created, alayhi salatu wasalam, they said in Surah Baqarah, are you going to create, O oh Lord, somebody who's going to cause fitna, fasad, and bloodshed? Allah Ta'ala says, I know what you don't know. But the hadith says that Allah Ta'ala got angry with that. And then the angels started doing tawaf around the arsh. And the hadith says Allah Ta'ala's anger went. Now, this is payback. When does Allah Ta'ala rebuke the angels again? When a person's doing it off. Because look at my servants. I thought they were going to create bloodshed. Fasad. What are they doing? He's boasting, saying, Didn't I tell you? I know what you don't know. But this is not just a dikaf. If you offer one farad prayer, you wait for it. But of course, with a dikaf, 45, 50 times. So note, if you look at the things that I've mentioned today, you must be a fruitcake mate to, to misvalue or undervalue this enormous deed Allah Ta'ala has given. Why do you think 
the Prophet started the itikaf from day one of Ramadan. Why do you think he did it? He's the greatest worshipper. He knows. 20 days. Then after 20 days, he goes, it's in the last 10. I'm, I'm looking for Laylatul Qadr. And don't forget, all of this is additional virtues. The whole point is Laylatul Qadr. You forget that. If you look at all these virtues, thinking, oh yeah, Laylatul Qadr as well. <laughs> you know, bank accounts full to the brim spiritually. I'm being jet washed completely. I'm getting, you know, Allah Ta'ala boasting over me. My nafs has been broken. And you forget about Laylatul Qadr. You go, oh yeah, I get Laylatul Qadr as well. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, yeah, mashallah, that as well. So there you go. And this is how Allah Ta'ala concludes the month of Ramadan. Look how he's blessed this holy month. And that's why, like I mentioned, and there's another session, inshallah. I'm going to spend one more session talking about virtues. We haven't finished. Right? There's other virtues of itikaf. And if you can't do itikaf, spend as much time in the masjid as you can. And of course, do the khizmat of those doing the itikaf because they're the guests of Allah. You're honoring, you're like the servant. You know, you go into the king's house and you become a servant. Right? That's how you look at the people doing itikaf because I'm the king's servant. I'm, it's an honor for me to serve you. Right? Because the king, I'm pleasing the king. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of the ulama even go out as far as to say that those who look after the people doing itikaf, Allah Ta'ala has chosen them. Allah Ta'ala has chosen them. And they mentioned about the uncle who passed away, uh, our dear brother Ali, Dita's father. They said one of the deeds that he did was he used to look after the people doing itikaf. He used to feed them. So keeping that in mind, Allah Ta'ala chose him. And look what month Allah Ta'ala gave him death. Ramadan. Allahu Akbar. Right? Why? Because he served the people doing itikaf. And we all want to die in this glorious month. Imagine. And also brother Abdul Karim who's gone upstairs. His father died on the 27th night of Ramadan. Right? So this is not a coincidence. Allah Ta'ala honors people in this holy month. And we ask Allah the Almighty and Glorious to also bless us with this grace by His great kindness and mercy. Are there any questions you want to ask before I wrap up? And don't forget there will be another session tomorrow. Third session about the glorious deal of the Kaf.